Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffTheGridNews.com. Each year, more and more Americans are choosing to homestead. But along the way, some of them discover that it can be far more expensive than they envisioned. That was the case with today's guest on Off The Grid Radio. Her name is Terry, Pre- Terry Page, and she and her husband began homesteading on a rental property more than 10 years ago. But after having children, they decided to live on a piece of land they could own. Unable to afford that piece of land in their own state, they moved cross-country where living was more affordable. Still, in order to avoid debt, they bought a tiny home and lived for a while without electricity. Terry will tell us about her incredible story in a moment, but first, let me tell you about today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is GrowLikeCrazy.com. Visit GrowLikeCrazy.com and learn about an all-natural fertilizer that can double your garden's production throughout the year. You can use it indoors or outdoors. You may even learn, as we have, that it makes your vegetables taste better. Check it out at GrowLikeCrazy.com. Terry, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Terry has a great blog that I want, I want to promote up front here. It's, it's homestead-honey.com, homestead-honey.com, where she tells about her amazing homestead journey. Um, Terry, I guess I just want to start with, with your story. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, before we talk about how you learned to homestead when you didn't think you could afford it and, and, and you know, how you lived without electricity for a little while. How, what got you into homesteading in the first place? How did you get to the point where you even wanted to homestead? I guess this story takes us back to your days in Oregon, doesn't it? Right, yeah. So um, so I started homesteading for love. That's the true story. I, was, I had met my husband on Catalina Island in Southern California, and we were both teaching marine biology. And... He had spent some time traveling around the world and doing the woofing program where you go and volunteer on organic farms. Mm-hmm. And so it was his dream to, to really start homesteading. And you know, I grew up in the suburbs of Boston. You know, I never, I didn't really know anything about how to grow food or really even where my food came from, to be honest. So in 1999, he decided to go up to Oregon and do a a 10-week internship at a place called Aprovecho, which is in, in Oregon. And after his internship, they had some work positions open up, and one of them was in the garden. And so he was going to stay on and work, and he told me, hey, why don't you come up and, and work in the garden, and we can live here together. So that's what I did. I came up to Oregon, started working in this beautiful, huge organic garden, and just fell in love with growing my own food. And really, you know, just by that, taking that first step of learning how to grow food, it's just like a cascade. It's like, you know, growing food leads to preserving food, leads to, hey, now I want to grow more food. So then you get chickens and then you get goats and then all of a sudden you have pigs and bees. And (laughs) so it really was just like this cascade effect, but starting with the garden. And so uh, you, you, that's how you kind of fell in love with the the idea of doing it. But but your first mm-hmm. homestead, I believe, was on a rental property in mm-hmm. Oregon. Tell us, uh, you know, why you decided to, to do that. Why a rental property in the first place, I guess? Well, the rental property was really, 
you know, it was kind of one of those things we were young, we needed to move off site um, after we were done with our work trade and we liked the area. So we decided to just rent a place and it was this amazing property with 35 acres at the end of a dead end road. And, you know, with a landlord who was 100% behind us in terms of us having chickens and growing a garden and there was a little bit of infrastructure there. There was a garden already. There was a small chicken coop. So we were able to kind of dive into the homesteading very easily. But then, um, you know, we were the we were the renters that were like, hey, hey, do you think we could, like, build a goat barn here? And <laughs> what about, we were thinking about maybe putting up a 20-foot by 50-foot greenhouse. Is that okay? And, <laughs> and we just kind of kept going and going. Um and, and really, our landlord was amazing because he let us do all those things. But we ended up staying there for 13 years in the same piece of property, on, in the same little house. And, uh, yeah, and just loved it so much. It was just such an incredible property. And the rent was right. And the landlord was amazing that, you know, it really just was a great place to stay. So I actually know somebody uh, who... Uh uh, who's one of our uh, actually writers and, and readers of Off the Grid News, and, and she actually has rented a property in the past for her homestead. So just briefly, mm-hmm. if you can, uh, Terry, summarize, well, what are the benefits and the drawbacks of you know renting to homestead? Right. Well, I think the benefits are that you can really kind of get your feet wet in homesteading without making that huge investment in purchasing land. Um, so we were we were able really to develop so many skills that then by the time we actually bought our own property, the act of homesteading was second nature to us. So, so it was kind of like, um, you know, getting practice without really having a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. So that was the pro, the big pro for us. Um, the con, of course, is just that it's not your land. So depending on how flexible your landlord is, you could either be allowed to do a whole lot, like we were, or could be, you know, allowed to do a little. And our landlord was amazing. I mean, he he even went so far as to reimburse us for the improvements that we made on the property because we had done fencing and, you know, built a bread oven and, and all these different things. Um, but that's not, that's definitely not the norm. And so a lot of infrastructure we ended up leaving behind and we just had to start over from scratch. And so that's kind of when you decided that you wanted to move somewhere else because you couldn't, you decided you couldn't afford to live, to own a piece of land where you, where you wanted, you know, where you probably preferred to live. Is that, is that, am I summarizing that right? Yeah. So we were south of Eugene, Oregon, and it's an amazing place. You know, we had this incredible community. We'd been there for 13 years and it was, it was a painful, painful process to leave as we did have so many, I mean, we do still have so many amazing friends there, but we were just looking at the writing on the wall, and it was shortly after our second child was born that, you know, we really just came to this realization that we were either going to both have to work full-time to pay a mortgage if we wanted to continue um, homesteading and have any any chunk of land there in that area, or we were going to have to look someplace else. And we were sort of, we got kind of spiraled into this incredible opportunity out here in Northeast Missouri because we had friends that had already moved here. So there was a piece of land that came up for sale and it was right down the street from some 
are, you know, are good friends. And so it kind of just seemed like the right time to make a leap and see how it went. So was Missouri your primary, um, was that the primary state that you looked at? Did you consider anywhere else? I guess what I'm getting at here is what are some, mm-hmm. what are some things people can look for when they're looking for, you know, if they're flexible and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and can move pretty much anywhere? Right. Well, so we were a little bit unique in that we really weren't looking. Um, I mean, we weren't looking at different states and we weren't doing what I see a lot of people doing is, you know, you go, you tour around all the different states, you visit people, you look at homesteads, et cetera. We weren't doing that. We were very specifically looking at Northeast Missouri because we had two sets of good friends who had already moved here and they both had children around the same ages as our children. And there was an opportunity to buy land that was right down the street from one of those people and to to kind of cr- help create this intentional neighborhood, is what I call it. So so our story was pretty unique. But um, I do get that question a lot from people on my blog. Uh, one, you know, some of the biggest considerations I would suggest people think about, number one is if you're thinking about living off-grid, then first look at where other people are going off-grid because that's going to tell you a lot about the different codes and the codes are huge. You know, if you if you try and move someplace where if the codes don't let you build in the way you want to build or catch water in the way you want to catch water or be off-grid, then you're just going to have an uphill battle the whole way. So looking first at where are people already doing this and seeing what they're doing is a great first step. But also I think it's really important to be realistic with yourself. Like how far away from a town or a city do you want to be? That's been a big challenge for me because I'm, I'm not a city person, but I am very much a culture person. I do theater, I dance, I do yoga. And so for me, it's really important to be close to a town that can offer those kinds of benefits to me. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the car, which I don't love. So that's a big consideration. Um, sure. You know, where family is, where friends are, where your job is. Can you work on the Internet? If so, you know, are you going to have Internet access? All those factors are things that I would really strongly think about. We're talking to Terry Page. She is the um, uh, she, she runs a blog, homestead-honey.com. She, we're going to take a quick break, though. When we return, let's continue talking with Terry. We'll talk about their tiny home they built as well as how they lived without electricity. We'll be right back. If you've ever wanted to grow the absolute best-tasting fruits and vegetables imaginable, here's some exciting news. There's a new product designed to make growing delicious produce easy. It's called Proto-Grow, and it's dynamite in the garden. Proto-Grow is a bioactive superfood for plants that works by providing true, broad-spectrum nutrition, allowing plants to achieve their full genetic expression. What does this mean in the garden? It means mouth-watering fruits and vegetables, brilliantly colored flowers, herbs that finally grow to medicinal strength, blue-ribbon garden produce jam-packed with bioavailable minerals and trace elements, giant pumpkins, even high-potency, high-bricks wheatgrass. Proto- 
Grow is a proprietary blend of full-spectrum nutrients from the sea. It literally contains the basic building blocks of life itself. In fact, Proto-Grow is so effective at producing rapid plant growth in record time that it almost forces plants to grow even under the worst light and soil conditions. It's also perfect for growing your own survival foods and might just be the ultimate hard times barter item. To grow tastier fruits and vegetables right now, go to growlikecrazy.com. That's growlikecrazy.com or call 877-327-0365. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Terry, so you and uh, you and your husband Brian chose to build a tiny house. Uh, I'm just curious, and a lot of people will want to know this: why a tiny house? Uh, was it the, the desire to, you know, avoid debt? Did you want to live minimally? All of those. What, what was the thinking there? Mm-hmm. Well, so first of all, I'll say right up front: we're definitely not minimalist. I mean, I try to keep our possessions down as much as I can, but. Being homesteaders and being homeschoolers and having two kids, you just find that you have so much stuff that you're dealing with. A lot of it is really useful. but um, So it wasn't necessarily minimalism, but it was definitely related to affordability. And so we moved here. We moved onto our land in June of 2013 and started building a few months prior to that. But when we moved on to our property we pretty quickly realized that we were going to need a place to live in the winter time. <laughs> and our plan initially, I mean, we were totally delusional. We really thought that we were going to finish a summer shelter with like a roof and some screens. And then we were going to actually build another house in that same year, <laughs> which was just crazy. Um, and, and by the way, we're going to do that with a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, so we were we were to be, uh, so we we kind of shifted our plans really quickly mid process, and we decided that instead of building a summer shelter that was like a screened in porch and whatnot, that we were just going to turn this roofed in structure into our house, and so it ended up being a little smaller than we really probably should have made it. We probably should have just added another hundred square feet or so on. Um, but by building small, we were able to our house very, very, very quickly. We were able to do it by ourselves. I mean, we hired, we spent less than $500 to hire people to help us. Um, the materials cost was pretty low. Our whole house cost roughly $10,000. And, you know, so we were able to do it affordably, quickly ourselves. And those were three really huge factors to getting it done in the time frame that we needed. On your on your website, homestead-honey.com, you list um, three benefits of of building a tiny home. You say it's human scale. By, by that, you mean you don't need huge cranes and such mm-hmm. to, to build it. Uh, it can be built quickly, relatively, of course, um, and uh, it's extremely affordable. Um, mm-hmm. how, how big is your tiny house? It is 350 square feet. Okay. And are we talking about just kind of draw a a word picture for us. Is it one room with a bathroom? What, what are we talking about? Okay. So, um, so it's a rectangle. It has a very open floor plan, but there's kind of a bedroom area that's separated with some bookshelves. There's a very big open living room kitchen. Um, we have a wood stove in the middle, and then we have a built-in nook 
with like bench seating for our kitchen and a built-in pantry. And we have a small mudroom as well. We actually do not have a bathroom at all. Uh, so that's something that has been a challenge and, you know, a challenge and has made life a little bit more interesting, but yeah, we're, we don't have that in this space. And so things which doable. Can, which kind of leads us into our next point because you guys have really tried to to uh, avoid debt. You didn't have electricity for a year and a half. What what did you? And now you have, I guess, solar. Um, is that mm-hmm. okay? What did you do in that year and a half? Well, interestingly enough, the community that we moved into here, uh, and we're not part of an intentional community per se, but we're we're definitely an intentional neighborhood. So our down the road that we knew before we moved here, they actually have an electricity-free community. And so moving here in some ways, it just seems so normal to just live for months and months and months on end with no electricity because everybody around us is doing it. And we actually, even further than that, we live on a street with several Amish as well. So it just seemed totally normal. So like everybody else does on this street, we just would make these wax candles and we'd light with candles. Um, we, we had some workarounds. We did have like a small solar panel set up that would charge a car battery. And then we'd like plug our phone into the car battery so we could have communication. And yeah, it was just very, very simple. But now we do have the solar electric. And at first I thought, oh, we'll still have the candles. We'll still light with candles. No, we haven't. We just, <laughs> as soon as we got the solar, you know, we just have been enjoying having the electricity because it's just so, yeah, it's just so easy. It's just so awesome and it's right there. And it's, you know, at this point it's free because sure. we've paid for the system. So, sure. Um, yeah. Water, tell people briefly uh, how you get water because you don't have, you still don't have running water. So, what, what do you do for water? Right. We don't have running water. So we have several different water catchment systems around our property. And, and mostly we just have these big 50-gallon barrels that will kind of line up in series. Um, it works great for about, you know, eight to nine months out of the year. No problem. Once the winter comes, because we are in a true four-season climate, then we ended up taking the, the barrel line and we'll catch water still, but we'll do it into like open barrels or five-gallon buckets. And one of the things that we could do is we built a cellar, and so we have some barrels in the root cellar with water in them for, for use now. And and honestly, we also have a pond, and we walk to the pond. My, my husband walks to the pond every day and brings barrel, you know, buckets of water back as Partially because we have animals also. So with the cows and the chickens, we need mm-hmm. we need a lot of water for them. So the pond has been kind of a life for us. You have uh, you have cows and chickens. Um, you said chickens, mm-hmm. of course. I was going to tell people we had cows. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Terry, is mm-hmm. your philosophy on debt. Because some people might not understand your opposition to borrowing or whatever. Why are you so... I, for one, I agree with you, but I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your philosophy on debt, and why are you guys? So, why were you guys so adamant about not occurring debt uh, when, yeah. you, when you moved there? Well, I think that I, there are situations where we needed to spend money, although we've done that from friends or family to to kind of keep it a little bit more simple. 
I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, is that whenever you have debt, you have to work to pay off that debt. And we work. I mean, we work very, very, very hard all the time, but we're doing the kind of work that we feel really passionate about. Some of that is work on my blog. Some of that is work here on the homestead. But by very consciously choosing to keep our expenses low and to keep our debt low or non-existent, um, we're just able to make choices that we were really happy about, like, for instance, being able to be home with our kids and having our kids homeschooled. Those are things that if we had a mortgage to pay, then we would really need to be going to work. I would need to be, you know, using my degree and going to a job and I wouldn't have that opportunity. So that's really been kind of the guiding principle for our family is just what are the values that we want to live out and what, you know, what do we want our family to look like at this you know, this may change later on when our kids are older and, and perhaps if we're not homeschooling or if they've left the house, then, mm-hmm. you know, then perhaps that will change. But at this point in time, it was just really important to be minimize our debt as much as possible so we could make that choice. You know, one thing people might want to know, we have a couple more minutes here to, to talk. Uh, one thing people might want to know, though, is is um, how, how do you do this? I mean... Living in a tiny home, a 350-square-foot tiny home, you're homesteading, you're mm-hmm. homeschooling, okay? And honestly, any of those three things would freak out a lot of Americans. Right. Uh, and, and you're doing all of them. Uh, so I guess my broad question is, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, it's not always easy. And I will say that um, it's not always easy to not have a shower here and to have to get creative about that. And it's certainly not always easy to be your own boss because you're always wondering where the next paycheck is going to come from and and kind of doing that hustle. But I think my husband and I are both people who really value creativity and adventure. I mean, we met in a very adventurous setting, teaching snorkeling and hiking and kayaking, and we're both artists in our own way. So I think we just both have this real spirit of um, adventure and kind of living a different life that is just the kind of life that we want to live. So, you know, I don't think it's for everybody. There's a lot, a lot of my relatives would never, ever, ever choose to live the way we're living. <laughs> but for us, it, you know, it feels really natural and it feels really true to what we believe and it fits in with the way that we want to be caring for the earth. So, mm-hmm. so is it worth it? One more question, and then we'll we'll, end up, we'll start closing the show. Um, how do you make money? I mean, people, uh, you uh, you've said your blog, but are, are there mm-hmm. other ways that you guys are bringing in income to support what you're doing? Yes, definitely. Um, so my husband has an FC shop. His shop is called Acorn Hill Handcraft, and he is an artist blacksmith. So he does all sorts of work with metal. Um, coat hangers and dinner bells and, you know, beautiful creations. He's, he's really an artist. Uh, so he has his business and he's also a builder. So occasionally he'll have some building jobs and I do a ton of different things. I mean, I'm, I'm like the person with 20 gigs. I work part-time for another person. I work uh, part-time at the medical school in the town nearby us. I work for myself. I have uh, my blog, which does just, income. I write ebooks, write e-courses. I also am a coach, life coach. So I run programs for women. I do one-on-one coaching. 
And yeah, just uh, we hustle. We just hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. There's actually a, a, a blog or a, a story on uh, Terry's blog uh, about how she makes income. It's probably worth checking out at homestead-honey.com. Uh, you went out a while ago. You're talking on a sale, of course. What? What is? How do? How can people get your husband's Etsy um, creations? What? Where? Where do they go again? Oh, sure. Sorry about that. It's Acorn Hill Handcraft. Acorn Hill Handcraft. Okay, mm-hmm. people can yeah, check and that out. There's, yeah, there's also a link to that on my blog as well. Uh, speaking of your blog, how? What other information can people find out there before we let you go? Yeah, well, I have over 300 posts about gardening, homesteading, off-grid living. I have the whole entire process of us building this house in photos and you know stories about how that went. Um, so there's lots and lots of information. If you want to dive down the rabbit hole of homestead honey, you can read about the past five years of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of lots available on there. And I love to hear from people. So please do, if you decide to read, you know, please use the contact form and say hello and let me know you you heard about me on this radio. I think, a, I think a lot of people will uh, be interested in uh, learning about how to homestead, you know, when, you know, you really can't afford it. So we really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Thanks so much, Terry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Today's sponsor was GrowLikeCrazy.com. Visit GrowLikeCrazy.com and learn about an all-natural fertilizer that can double your garden's production throughout the year. You can use it indoors or outdoors. Check it out at GrowLikeCrazy.com. You can also visit, of course, OffTheGridNews.com for the best homesteading and off-grid features you can find anywhere. We're also on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Keywords, Off The Grid News. With engineer Ryan Hartman, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off The Grid Radio. Welcome to the jungle.